We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? And welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus. At Nick Deus, 10 is you can find me. All things Veterans Minimum, veteransminimum.com. Joining me, my guy, A Double, repping Croatia. The checkered print is back. What up, dog? I know when you when, when you got first place team, you, you look at that group, you see the lineman, and you see your team in first place. It's just it's a great day to smile. It's a great day. Nine days into World Cup, I feel like it's been flying by. But I feel like the last four days, things have picked up ever since Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, we, we, we got some banger matchups, too. Like, France-Denmark was one that we had circled. Uruguay-Portugal shortly just ended right after we, we, we started recording this. Uh, Best game of the tournament was yesterday, to me, in terms of quality with Spain and Germany. Spain and Germany, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think... A lot of people were excited about Spain after that Croatia, uh, Costa Rica win. Excuse me. I don't want to throw your, yeah. your, your nation under the bus wrongly. But I think they saw like Spain is good, but they could be had and they could be tested as well. So I've been, I've been enjoying the World Cup, man. I do want to ask you a couple of things before we do some of these group stage scenarios as we head into the last game for each team. Who has hope? What needs to happen? Who's dead in the water and obviously we're going to end the show with a USA Iran preview but what would you say has been the biggest surprise for you in the group stages through two games and the surprise you could elaborate how you want to define that is it a good surprise is it a bad surprise where, where are you taking us uh, so I just want to mention I'm not going to go into detail because I literally know nothing about the national team but Saudi Arabia has to be mentioned purely based on I thought they were the worst team besides Qatar going to Torbit and the fact what they did against Argentina, and I thought they controlled the match against Poland, they just made a couple unfortunate mistakes. But the fact that Saudi Arabia is in this, and I think I have a decent chance of going through because I think Mexico looks very pedestrian. So I want to give a, a big shout out to Saudi Arabia because I literally thought they were going to just get rolled on through each match. So big credit to them. But for me, the biggest shock, I did not think Belgium was going to fall off like this. Like I knew they were old, 
but I didn't think Belgium looked this incapable. Like I've watched both games in detail and they, it looks like they aged like five years. Cause let's not forget. It was only a year ago. They made to cores of the euros. Uh, they beat very good Portugal team. They took Italy to the limit. And now it's just like, Kevin De Bruyne said best. We're just too old. I mean, yo, their team is kind of him or bust, right? Like Hazard has no business being out there. Uh, the back line is very you have, slow. You have Courtois making mistakes. Yeah. If you have Courtois making mistakes, oh man, and like they're just they're a whole out hope that Lukaku's somewhat fit. Dude, I want to mention uh, Saudi Arabia because they're the biggest upset win in World Cup history. At yeah. the start of the game, they were 18 to 1, Allen, to beat Argentina, meaning $100 won you $1,800. And then at halftime, I don't know if you saw this speech from the coach that has been going viral, where he's like, what are we doing, guys? It's the World Cup. You have all our people that have traveled here, and they're here to support. You guys want photos with Messi, or do you want to beat him? Take photos with him after. He's like, stop being intimidated. You have to press. You have to play right. And then they come out the first 10 minutes, they, they grab the lead. And at halftime, bro, 75 to 1 odds to win that game. $100 when you 7,500. And most, most of the country was asleep. Yeah. It was a 5 a.m. game. Yeah, well, East Coast wise. Dude. Maybe some of the West Coast people were up. Bro, I woke up at, I woke up at 2.30. And... I look at the score. I'm like, ah, one nothing. I just saw uh, Martinez got the offsides. I'm like, ah, it's going to be like 6-7-0. Yeah. I go to bed. I wake up for Mexico-Poland. And at halftime of it, because lately when I wake up, I don't grab my phone immediately. I've been watching all these videos of like, you know, the light from your phone could like disrupt. Just a bunch of like psychological shit. Uh, so... <laughs> Dude, I wake up and I'm watching the game and I'm eating cereal and I'm on my couch. I'm just eating, eating. And then they go, biggest upset in World Cup history. We'll, we'll bring you more at halftime. And I'm like, whoa, what the <laughs> hell? Where did this happen? And then I go and I look at my yeah. phone, group chat going bananas. Uh, my pops is venting to me because we're financially invested in Argentina. He's like, yo, we're in trouble, dude. And I was like, yo, what happened? <laughs> and then the goal that gave him the lead is like probably the goal of the tournament too. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. Is it the goal of Torvik? Because Casemiro has a strong case after today. Oh, that man. Casemiro goal. Yeah, that one was good, man. The way he hit it on it's the outside It's neck and neck foot. goes, too. Yeah. yeah. And I also want to give credit to Richarlson's second goal against Serbia. I thought it was a really well-taken volley. That was the coolest goal. Like, that was okay, like cool. Sports yeah. Center top 10 play for the next month. Like, it's a bicycle kick, right? And it's Brazil, yeah. too. Like, that was that was dope. But I think... Level of difficulty, man. That one, and then and then Argentina had one against Mexico, which was very oh, difficult. Enzo Fernandez, Enzo Fernandez, yeah. who, mm. dude, I want to say my my shock is, I was concerned about France coming in, and I'm shocked how they're even more Mbappe dependent than I thought they would be. Because, dude, I don't think that they're a good team. I think he is an absolute game wrecker. And if he's out there, they have a chance against anyone in the world. And he's been able to dominate in the two games. I think, I think right now he's my golden ball winner of the World Cup through two games. Yeah. I mean, stats, stay for, uh, stats speak for itself and just his influence on games, the way he's running at defenders. I do think Griezmann's played better than I expected. I do want to give him some credit. But when it comes to Mbappe, though, it's just... 
defenders just back away. Like, like you don't want to get near him. It's just like if we, if we get near him, he's drilling right past us, and that's the thing. And now he's making himself more active in the box as a runner. Like you saw that second goal. The fact that he's making these runs is so dangerous. But I do agree. Like I think just the fact that France has lost like eight key players, it's it's going to come back to haunt them at some point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to these next next games, man. Because there's some. I don't know if you're aware, dude, but we have a big revenge game on the horizon. Uruguay uh, and Ghana. Remember the course. handball? I mean, yeah, of course. I'm just I'm thinking that's Friday. Like, man, we got a lot before that. We, but yes, we, absolutely. We do. we do have a lot before that. And, but already the and, Ghana, the and, president of the Ghana Federation came out. I was like, oh, we're ready for this one. We got this one. Right, and, so, so they want all the and, smoke. And, yeah. As they should. And Ghana only needs a draw to get through. Like, Uruguay's going to have the pressure. And they're one of the three teams that hasn't scored a goal yet. And considering the firepower they have, that's very disappointing. Very disappointing, man. Because I think we both spoke about Uruguay fairly highly, saying how they had some potential to make a deep run, a quarterfinal semis, depending on how the group played out. Uh, Now it seems like, well, they can't win first place. So if they do happen to advance, who do you have waiting? Brazil, who beat the piss out of you in qualifying also. So that's not going to be fun. Uh, I do want to mention some of the um, scenarios as we head into these final games. Uh, The teams that have advanced are France, Brazil, and Portugal. Alan, this is the least amount of teams that have already advanced at the group stage in the last nine World Cups with one game to go. So usually you'd have like five or six teams already penciled in. So it's it's the most wide open that it's been. I'm only going to read, because there's a lot to read off, Alan. I'm only going to read the ones that have what I think the best situation. Winning or in, don't need to scoreboard watch, take care of business. These are the teams that fit that. The Netherlands, win or a draw against Qatar. Ecuador, the same thing, win or a draw against Senegal. Qatar's already eliminated. Uh, the U.S., winning or in. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah, if you brush off Senegal, Senegal, Senegal needs to win. Well, Senegal needs... Senegal? Senegal can yeah. qualify to the round of 16 with a win over Ecuador. That's... If they win yeah, also, you're that's right. That's what they got to do. They, yeah, they're in. And then there's other tiebreakers, which I'm going to leave off. Mm-hmm. If you want to go and check them out, I'll attach the link to this, this website that I'm on right now. Uh, Iran also can win and advance or a draw. Also gets them in, depending on what happens in the other game. Uh, Argentina can qualify with a win over Poland. They don't need to worry about anyone else. Poland can also advance with a win over Argentina. They don't need to worry about anything else. Saudi Arabia can qualify for the round of 16 with a win over Mexico. Who would have thought that coming into the group? Uh, France has qualified. Yeah, France has qualified, like we mentioned. Denmark can qualify to the round of 16 with a win over Australia. Uh, Australia can qualify with a win over Denmark. Then when you go... Or draw. Don't don't sleep on the Aussies. They could get through with the draw. The Aussies can get through with a draw and a Tunisia draw or loss as well. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm I'm only going to mention the ones where it's like winning or in kind of scenario because there's other ones like... Spain can get through to the last 16 with a win or a draw versus Japan, can win the group with a win over Japan, can also advance. Yeah, it's, like yeah, it's, it's too much. We'd be here for an hour and a half, right? Yeah. Um, Germany with a win 
and a loss by Japan or Spain or, or Spain. Yeah. So basically, there's a way like if Spain and Japan want to collude to keep the Germans out, if they just tie it, there's a chance. Well, goal differential would come into play, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of goals that they would have to make up. And then Canada eliminated from the World Cup thanks to your boys. Which, by the way, yes. You just come out there just yapping like that if you're Canada. Like, bro, Croatia in the last (laughs) World Cup alone, right? And this is a team that in 1998 went to the Final Four, right? In, In one World Cup run has accomplished more than your entire country's history of soccer. So you can't go in there yapping, dude. Too much yapping nowadays, yeah. Alan. I love Canada, but yeah, they've done messed up. Like, come on. You, you have an inexperienced team. You're going against one of the most battle-tested teams coming out of Europe. It's just, I don't know. It was a real good, fun, loving story. And they just had to get all intense. And, you know, they had their moment. Credit to them. First 20 minutes, they looked very well. You know, they were, they come at you, Canada. But, look, class takes over and creation class overwhelmed. Croatia can advance to the next round with a win over Belgium. There are other scenarios as well, but if Croatia wins, they take care of business. Morocco with a win or a draw versus Canada advance to the next round. Shouts to them. I was very... Morocco. Dude, they've been fun, man. They've been fun. And what they did to Belgium yesterday, because I was low on Belgium coming into this tournament, so I'm happy that we got to see that. There was a nice embrace of Hakimi with his mom that went viral all over social media. And that was cool because... You know, growing up, one of my good friends, Saad, was Moroccan. I mean, not, he is Moroccan. So I got to experience yeah. some of that culture. And then growing up in Queens, when you walk down Steinway Streets, you have so many of these Moroccan taverns and diners and bars and the hookah lounges over there repping the flags. I've been seeing some pictures too. So I've been rooting for them a little bit, have a soft spot. Belgium, for as bad as it's been, if they beat Croatia, they get to the next round. So I'm hoping you guys could take care of business in that one. And then we have... Serbia can make the round of 16 with a win versus Switzerland and a Cameroon loss. Cameroon with a win versus Brazil and a Switzerland loss can get in. And then the last thing is South Korea with a win versus Portugal and a Ghana loss. They can get in. And Ghana with a win or draw versus Uruguay. And like we mentioned before, man, Ghana, they got slighted. If If those of you that don't remember... There was a header in like the 120th minute in the round of eight, Ghana and Uruguay. That was the year that the U.S. got knocked out by Ghana in the round of 16. And Luis Suarez just literally grabbed the ball with his hands and kept it out. And it was going, it was going to be a goal. And he just said, nope, we're not having that. He got red carded, missed the next game. But they go on and miss that penalty. And then they go into penalty kicks and they lose Ghana, that is. so. It sucks he didn't play in that game, but he got his team to advance. But Ghana wants Ghana wants all the smoke, bro. They want they want this game with Uruguay. So I'm excited, man. What's the what's the one thing you're looking forward to the most going into this uh, third and final leg of the group stages in the World Cup? It really is USA Iran, but we will dedicate time towards that. Besides USA Iran, because I find it to be a really fascinating match, and I think USA has been one of the biggest bright spots of this tournament. If there is one that comes to mind, and I'm not going to say Croatia because that's too much of an easy pick. I'm intrigued by, just because the history of Serbia, Switzerland, this is pure Balkan love here. Uh, she's not love because both countries kind of hate each other. But Serbia, Switzerland had this iconic match last World Cup where, so Switzerland has a lot of Kosovoian and Al- Albanian players. 
And both Jaka and Shakiri scored against Serbia, and they both did like this eagle flag, which raised a whole ton of hell. And pretty much Switzerland was the reason why they eliminated Serbia in 2018. So the fact that Switzerland could eliminate Serbia again, I think is just a cool subplot. Because, uh, you know, you got two of these countries that are fairly similar, but they both have some pretty bad blood. And I think you have some big tempers between Jaka, you have Mitrovic on Serbia, and Serbia after today losing that 3-1 lead, they, they're playing for their World Cup lives. So I think that's like one of the more intriguing matchups that is kind of going unnoticed because I know second place could be, all right, just second place. But I think these two countries, they're very feisty and I think we're going to see uh, some fireworks in that one. Yeah, I don't want to bury the lead, but Iran versus USA is definitely the one I'm looking forward to the most, obviously. But I think, like, man, the U.S. has been impressive, dude. Outside of that second half against Wales, like, they've been, it's going to suck if they don't advance. And they need to win. We need to establish that they need to win in order to advance out the group. I love it because I think that's the best case scenario for you. You go out there, you take care of business, you don't got to worry about what other teams. Dude, we, were, we didn't even read all the tiebreakers because there's so many other things that could happen for other nations to advance in the World Cup. It's goal differential. It's You got to make sure they tie, but they don't win by more goals. It's too chaotic. USA is yeah. you, you win and you're in. Just take care of your business against Iran. But this game here, it's not going to be an easy one, man. Iran is, is a tough all. team. Like that game against, I bet them against Wales. Because that they were like a three-to-one dog. And coming into that World Cup, it was plus 150. So their odds doubled. And I think that was just a massive overreaction to what happened to them against England. Where they got smoked six to two. But it's like, yo, Iran is a very, very solid, fundamentally sound team. And the thing that worries me about Team USA is I, I still don't trust them to show up in big moments. I know they showed up against England. But I can't get that second half against Wales out of my mind, Alan. And that's what, if I knew for a fact I was getting that England-USA version of USA, I'd be like, bro, give me, give me Brazil and Sao Paulo. I'll play anybody. But I just don't know with them. I think they kind of face the same conundrum that you see Netherlands, Mexico, even Croatia. They still don't have a proper goal. So like USA just doesn't have that proper goal score. You yeah. see a lot throughout this tournament. You just, there's not too many strikers left. That's why a country like Poland, they just savor Lewandowski because it's like, wow, he's one of the pure goal scorers left in the world. Because a, a lot of how these teams are built now are on false nines, inside forwards, wingers. Like, you know, and USA, look, they got some dynamism. But I think Pulisic had an excellent tournament. Timothy Weah, obviously with his pace, had a tremendous game against Wales. So like USA has the attacking nucleus. So it's just not having that proper goal score has obviously hindered them because... You know, we didn't see too much of it against England as well as they played. You know, McKinney had the two best chances. He put one in row Z. Very unfortunate. So uh, that's where I think the biggest concern with USA lies. Because I think they will control possession against Iran. And I think they will create chances. Now, will they take their chances? That's the real concern. Because one thing with Iran, with Carlos Quiroz, who worked under Sir Alex for several years, he is very defensive-minded. So Iran's going to be sitting very deep. And it, that's just a matter of like, how can USA... Cause, uh, I think if they don't score one in the first half, that's where the pressure is really going to start mounting. And that's where we might see in Gio Reina and, and, and Honorson and, you know, just complete attacking overload by like the 60th minute. Cause I think that's what's probably going to have to take because I just think Iran is just, they're going to sit deep and they are dangerous in the counter. So yeah, 
fingers crossed USA scores the first 45. I think that will take a lot of stress off, and I think it'll open the game up, and I think it'll make for a more attractive game. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head there. You don't want to. You don't want to be in a tight game like that, especially when you need to win. Because all Iran needs to do is just sit back and defend, park the bus, right? Uh, Two thousand four Euro Greece style, and just just had to get the reference. Come on, bro. This is all I got when it comes to the Greek national team. I don't have <laughs> yeah. much else. Yeah. You need to just do that, and you advance, right? So you don't need to be attack minded. And then if you're the U.S., you gotta hope. Dest and and Robinson aren't too far ahead, and then you get a counterattack because Iran is deadly on a counter. Like that's where their strength is. They're a team that sits back and they counter you, and that's where I would be concerned if I'm Team USA, where you need to, man. For once, can we just jump out to like a three four zero lead and just cruise? Not all these nail biters uh, at the I mean, end. Yeah. Uh, let's let's temper expectations. <laughs> Because <laughs> like we were talking up, I read and and they do have strikers. Miami on Porto, he's capable. Uh, Sardar Azmoun, he was like the Russian player of the year uh, for Zenit Saint Petersburg. So I ran, I ran legit has strikers, but I know they're going to sit deep. I want to ask you because you mentioned Destin Robinson. Do, do you want more from them? Because I feel like they've kind of not quite hit the high expectations that I think everyone set them out to be for this tournament. Well, uh, well, Robinson, I think was like the best left back in in the first games. Like every team that played one game, like I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think I saw Sports Illustrated put him up there too. Like he was the best left back. Okay, he disappeared. Yeah, in the England the, game. yeah the England yeah. game. He disappeared. Yeah, uh, they yeah, do get just- too. I don't want to say trigger happy because it doesn't really apply to soccer, but like they do stay on the offensive side of the half a ton. Like you'll see them be staggered where they'll have the two center backs, Reem and and uh, Zimmerman. And then the other guys will be like way up the field. And it's like, dude, you got to be very careful with that. And also, for the most part, you're not exactly the most elite right backs offensively. Though you, It's not like you're adding that much more, in my opinion, at least when I watch them. I think the midfield between Adams, McKinney, and Musa has been, they call them MMA, bro. Have you caught that? I've not. That rings. Let's go with that. And, and dude, 19. Musa's 19 years old, bro. Adams, 23. McKinney, 23, I think. It's like, yo, this is the... And, and it's the first time that I can't express this enough. And I talk about this on AMP, where we, we go live after the games. We'll be live after the USA game. We go live after all the, the World Cup games. It's such a relief having a dominant midfield. Bro, they dominated England's midfield, which is world-class players world-class players and it's you know one plays on Leeds, the other one plays on valencia they're not going to be there much longer bro like there's going to be a lot of players leaving this men's team and this world cup going to bigger and better clubs after their success here and i think that it's going to come down to them if they can control the midfield like they have i would love to see way play forward up top by himself and then having reina polisic play behind him that'd be dope because way speed is unbelievable I think he's been the breakout star for USA, uh, USA in this World Cup as well. But I'm concerned, man, a lot. It, it's going to be a game where you're going to be on edge because USA never blows out anyone. So I know that's super wishful thinking on my end. But I know everyone's going to be betting USA because of national pride and whatnot. But I would just be careful. I think this is a game where I wouldn't bet it. I'm not going to bet USA because I'm going to feel the same way if they win. I would feel like I just won a $1,000 bet 
because of how excited I'm going to be if they do win. That's the passion. Yeah, that's the joy of being a fan. So, yeah, I, I do like that you highlight Tyler Adams because I think he's been USA's best player. And I think hit the decision to make him captain, they caught some people off guard. But, man, what, what a leader he's been. And even that Wells game, I thought he really held them together in that second half because you saw everyone kind of fatigued. But he was just clearances, tackles. Like, he's just a pure box-to-box midfielder. And I do agree. I think his price is skyrocketing. And, uh, look, he, he played for Leipzig. Like, he's always been highly acclaimed. I just, I don't know, something didn't go right Leipzig. But now being under that English Premier League spotlight, oh, man, he's crazy. Like, that take off even more now. We need a win, Alan. We need three points. And then it's going to be I think a they're going to win one nothing. Yeah? I think they will win one nothing. Yeah. I think, I think Pulisic, he's going to make one of those, like, darting runs. So one, one thing I noticed with Pulisic is I think he's more dangerous as a runner than a creator. I know he created the way a goal, but... Notice that was from like Sargent, nice hold up play game to Pulisic. Like Pulisic is a good creator, but when you get him in space and he starts running, defenders start freaking out. So hopefully, look, he's always going to be dangerous. And I think it's just a matter of time before he explodes because I think everything you've wanted to see him from the tournament outside of not scoring a goal, which damn it, he should have had that goal against England, but you know, crossbar. But uh, I think it is his time to shine because he, he's been one of the, just the whole team in general. Like I really, like you watch USA, like you got to be thrilled about it. It's just, it's just unfortunate they've only had one goal and they don't have a win yet. But, you know, everything could change tomorrow because it's getting to the knockout stage. And look, I think I don't want to get too far myself, but I think the draw is very nice for them. Yeah. Oh, dude, I've been I've been fantasy booking what the draw could look like if they make it out the group and especially how Group A has turned out. Yeah. Sign me up for that. But again, they need to just take care of business and. Yo, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big game, right? If you think this generation is going to make noise in future tournaments, like I do, you should, right? Like, dude, Brazil has won their group, bro. Ten straight World Cups, they've won their group. Like, that's the standard that these other countries have. Where for us, it's like, eh, maybe we'll get out. It's like, nah, bro, that shit got to change, man. We got to get out the groups. Like, that's a, that's a layup from now on. Like, we can't have this, oh, maybe we'll get out. It's like, nah. You got to, if you want to be taken seriously at the world level, you got to make it out this group. And they're in a great position despite how they've played and not being able to capitalize on certain opportunities, the way the group has fallen out. I love it in the sense of, yo, you win and you advance. It's the best. You mentioned 1-0. I want to end with this before we uh, pivot over to to Kenny joining the show. Uh, World Cup draws and unders, Allen have been crushing, crushing from a betting perspective. And if you bet the draw or the under two and a half goals in every single World Cup game on a $100 play on each of them, you'd be up $2,700 in this World Cup. And obviously, (laughs) there are certain games that I personally would never bet a draw, like Spain-Croatia. I bet 6-0 correct score. And Murata, who I've also bet to be the top goal scorer, is the one that scored the seventh. And I was like, damn, but dope, he scored a goal. So it was like, I didn't know what yeah. to do with that because my guy scored, but he ruined my, my bet on that day. But dude. I was finished yesterday too. Yeah. Yeah, he got two, man. He got two. Right now, he's the yeah. fourth favorite behind Mbappe, Richarlson, and someone else that's blanking me right now. Uh, but dude, this is, this is it for USA, man. Oh, yeah, it's Messi. Yeah, I'm, I'm bugging. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Messi answered the call there, too. But, yo, uh, unders, unders, 1-0 games, it's been the theme, dude. And if you're saying 1-0, I think it's a, 
I think 2-1 USA. They're not going to make it easy, bro. Ooh. I think USA jumps out to a lead. Maybe Iran ties it, and then they get the lead. I would like for it to be 2-0, but I think 2-1 USA, and they, they make it out the group. Can I just recommend to all Americans, watch 2010 USA-Algeria highlights before the game. Okay, that's how you get motivated. For it. Well, you obviously hear me motivated, but just give you that extra inspiration. Just watch that run. Is that USA-Algeria moment still one of the most iconic things I've ever seen in my life? Dude, I had broken my foot playing pickup soccer like two weeks before that game. And I was jumping up and down when Donovan scored that goal. Like the highest I've ever jumped. And just landing on my foot. My mom's like, your foot. I was like, I don't give a fuck about my foot. Don't worry about my foot. I'll be all right. In mad pain. But I'm so hyped. Like it was the like the ultimate. It's my it's one of my it's in my Mount Rushmore favorite sports moments of all time. And it might be I don't know, man. I saw the Giants live win two Super Bowls, but it's up there, bro. It's up Besides there. Besides that, yeah. But that that actual Just that run. I love the run. Bro, Just the, the way it was created. The whole lead up to that was sick. But like the actual moment of the goal might be my uh-huh. favorite. So let's do it. And, Alan, I, we I, can yeah. Where can they? Uh, where can they? What were you gonna say before? Before you sign? No, I just that's the feeling I'm kind of going to because I think in 2010 they were somewhat in a similar boat going to face Algeria, where I think it. I'm not sure if it was draw or win, but I knew they were kind of in a must-win scenario in a way because I think they tied England. They tied. Yeah, they had to be in a must-win because yeah, they tied England one-one. The robbery. They tied Slovenia two-two. So I think the Algeria game they pretty much had to win. They end up winning the group, which was even more crazier. So. That's what kind of reminds me of uh, this game. It's like, you know, they are, I, I do consider them the favorites. I do think Iran's better than that, that Algeria team from 2010, but I do think this USA team is better than the one from 2010. Yeah, I feel the same way, man. I'm excited, dude. I can't wait. I'm going to be miserable if they don't make it out the group, but I'm going to be happy as hell if they do. And I, I fully expect them to deliver. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, Alan Stark, A L L E N S T R K. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. We're going to take a break, do some ads, and we'll be back with Kenny Betts Big for some football talk. Before we get into our next segment, talking some football, some betting with my guy Kenny, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Ben Kotzian, Christopher, Derek, Devin, Jordan, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crumbs, and Thomas Robinson. Thank you all for your contributions to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum is where you could support the show. And joining me now is my guy, fresh off another dominant week in the betting space. You and I just hashtag printing money. Kenny bets big. What up, dog? It's good, man. We got to uh, we got to get that merch merch going, you know, printing money, printing money season. Because right. you're right. I think this is what our fourth or fifth show we did. We're doing together and uh, things have been good for me. I know they're good for you because you're you're as close to 200,000 as you can almost taste the money right now. <laughs> hey man, someone, someone uh, hit me up. That's a fan of the show. And they DM me and they're like, dude, this theme for Monday winners is like a real thing. He's like, I don't know if you've been following it. He told me, but we're nine Oh and one on games that were given out on Mondays. So it's like, you don't need <laughs> yeah. to. And the one was yesterday with the push with the Packers. You came on last week. You're like, yo, before we wrap up, I got to tell you this. Packers plus seven. Are you kidding me? Rogers in a primetime spot. 
And yeah, Rogers got knocked out. We'll get to that in a little bit. But it's it been pretty cool, man. This Monday winners thing, nine zero and one in the last ten games that we've given out on Monday. So we've we've talked about this, Kenny. We don't we don't gotta wait till twelve thirty seven Eastern time, nine thirty seven Pacific time in the morning on Sunday because you're probably not gonna get the best line depending on when you bet the Eagles side of things. If you did bet the Eagles, you came out a winner. Or you pushed as well. So Monday winners, dog. This is a real thing, man. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you said 9-0-1. That one, you know, obviously we, we should chalk that as a W just in the sense of we took it early. The line dropped. You know, if, if you didn't take it early, you instead of a push, you have a loss there. So, you know, unfortunate we ended in a push. But I'll take it, man. Because if if you had waited to take the Packers, instead of a push, you're, you're losing money. So, um, and if Rodgers is in there, he's definitely getting that backdoor touchdown at the end there for sure. Yeah, man, that would have been so, oh, I would have ordered a Jordan Love jersey if he would have got that cover <laughs> there at the end when he almost hit Randall Cobb. Dude, let's let's start off with that, right? Uh, Eagles went bananas running the ball. Jalen Hurts went crazy. Miles Sanders went crazy. Hurts, I played him in fantasy and I ran into a buzzsaw and just got absolutely murked. In fantasy, I was on a six-game losing streak. Then I banged out five in a row, and now my playoff hopes go up in smoke. My question to you is, Jordan Love comes in, and he, he, he hits Christian Watson on that crossing route. They score a touchdown, and he looked pretty good coming in in relief. And like you said, dude, I'll take the plus seven when Rodgers gets knocked out of that game. And it's like, oh, my God, at that point, it looked like it might swing the other way. Do you think this is the end of Rodgers in Green Bay? I was thinking about that last night, uh, especially because, you know, you, you hit it on the head. Love came in and he looked really good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was hitting some some throws that you're not hitting unless you put the work in, you know, like some back shoulder timing throws to the, some of these guys. Um, so, yeah, Love looked really good. And, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, what what is Aaron Rodgers playing for at this point? You know, they're, the Packers – I don't think they're technically eliminated out of playoff uh, contention, but they pretty much are. You know, they would have to pretty much have a couple miracle finish here to to make the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, why would you play Rodgers? He's probably leaving at the end of the season. Uh, love the quarterback of the future. You might as well get him in there and see what you got, uh, so you can kind of make a better decision in the off season. Are you going to stick with Love? Do you really make a hard push at Rodgers or a different quarterback there? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think. I think if Rodgers does get hurt, if he's hurt now and they rule him out, I don't think you just bring him back. I think you just ride it out. It's a lost season now if you're the Packers. Can you make the playoffs? Yeah, it's unlikely. You got to go on this crazy run. And, you know, Washington <clears throat> Washington looks a lot better now uh, th than they did a month ago. I think at this point, like, this is a fair assessment you could get on Jordan Love if you're the Packers. And you do have some young pieces on that offense as well that's one of the issues that Rodgers does have it's like you know I have all these young guys I can't mesh with them so as I was watching that game and Jordan Love was lighting it up dude I was thinking to myself I think this might be the last we see of Rodgers in Green Bay yeah I'm with you I was thinking the exact same because what you know he didn't really want to be there to begin with uh he, he was playing with the broken thumb so he toughed it out you know he kind of gave it all he had this year and now with the rib injury whatever's going on there like you know, he, he's at the tail end of his career, so why would he push it uh, and, you know, kind of ruin his chances to maybe go somewhere else and find some success? So that was one of the games that you gave out last Monday. You loved. It pushed. Uh, I was on the Vikings 
uh, on, on Thanksgiving. And one of the reasons why is because I love when a team gets embarrassed, you play them the next week. And then that's a way to understand if that team is going to actually be a good team. And I learned a lot about Minnesota answering the bell there. I did mess up going with the Bills, and you warned me. I did go with Buffalo. Uh, another Monday winner, you said the, the Giants were going to cover, and that line just kept climbing and climbing and climbing throughout the week uh, by, by the time Thanksgiving came around. And uh, you wanted to call me out on that one, bro. <laughs> I got to give yeah, it to I mean, you, man. I'm, I, listen, I, I'm someone where I want all the smoke, whether it's positive or negative. Like, like I'm ready to get served if I deserve it, and I do on that one. Now, yeah, I think that's why you and I get along because I'm the same way, you know, like if I'm wrong, man, you could you could rip into me all you want because I'm not wrong often. So have at it. Um, <laughs> no, nah, but but yeah, man, it, because if you 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 literally texted me the day before and you're like, Bill's minus nine and a half. What do you think? And I was like, listen, the Bills will probably win the game, but nine and a half too many. The storyline is like the Bills are, you know, in Detroit again. It, I just didn't love the spot for the Bills there. And I saw it's pretty funny. I saw a uh, a graphic they put on the screen where the Bills won back to back games in Detroit. The Lions haven't done that since I think it was like 2015 or something, where they won consecutive games in Detroit. Man, poverty, dude. Buffalo might as well just play that game Thursday night football, and the rest of the way just don't play don't play those games in Buffalo. For as crazy as Bills Mafia is, just bring them shits <laughs> all to Detroit and just keep that going, dude. I think uh, something that was interesting is you're seeing a lot of big favorites in the NFL, like double-digit favorites. And yesterday, there was about to be some chaos with Miami. I know people were going nuts with what the Dolphins did when they're up 30 nothing and they're cruising. And they were a 14-and-a-half, I would say, consensus for the most part. And then Houston is just coming back. And they pulled Tua, which I, I like that they pulled Tua. I didn't have no side in that one. But to me, I feel like these big favorites seem to be cashing more than years past. Cashing as far as what, like on the money line or just against the spread for betters? I think against the spread. I was actually going to say the opposite. I mean, I don't really know what the numbers are. Um, you know, I, I've hit on some double-digit dogs this year. Um, let's see. A lot of them have been primetime spots, though. Like mm. I had the Texans versus the Eagles. Um, but yeah, I think more so, I think you're right though, more so this year than years past, we see a lot of these double digit spreads, like, you know, going back to a couple seasons, like if you would see a, a 13, 15 point spread, you would look at that and say, wow, that's a lot of points. Now you kind of see one a week. It feels like, right? Yeah. For the most part, there's been some big spreads throughout. Like this week we had, if you maybe four, right? You had the two games on Thanksgiving for the most part, nine and a half, 10, depending on when you took yeah. it. And then you had Ram. the Rams were 15 and a half point dogs. And then you had the Texans as well. So you are seeing a lot of these bigger favorites. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I, I've never really put too much like thought into it, but I mean, it could be, uh, I mean, obviously matchup wise could be betting has become such a big thing where, you know, kind of books know that, uh, you know, people are probably going to just automatically gravitate towards the favorites. So they can add a, an extra point or two onto the line and, you know, kind of cushion the blow if the favorite covers there. I don't know. It could, it could be a multitude of things kind of all in conjunction with one another. But yeah, it's, uh, I haven't put too much thought into that because it doesn't really affect anything. Like if anything, I, I like the extra points. So uh, you can make the spreads as high as you want. If I like the dog, I'm taking it. Yeah, man. I mean, 
the the public it's becoming more acceptable sports betting and the conversation around sports betting is constantly growing and rough day for the public this week man if you saw some of these numbers that i got here the most heavily wagered teams were ravens minus three and a half bucks minus three titans plus one and a half all three lost and then that's from a ticket perspective and then with the money seattle minus three and a half i felt like that game was super trappy throughout the whole week i just didn't really understand that one bears plus seven with the quarterback change that happened in new york and then bucks again minus three so the books have been kind of i think it's been a little rough for the sports books in in 2022 the public has been doing fairly well and look i'm not gonna sit here and and try to feel bad for them i mean the, the sports books do fairly well for themselves throughout the years uh as we sit in some of these establishments here in vegas but you knew that that was going to happen, right? There's always regression. The public is hammering each week, and then this week, they're the ones that get hammered. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'll say this. So baseball this year uh, was, like, the most square baseball has ever been in years past. Like, uh, I think Action Network actually put an article out on that about how favorites have, like, favorites were winning at a historic rate during the baseball season. And baseball, I usually typically do very well betting. But uh, I did pretty bad this year. And I just remember my clients, you know, they were kind of getting on me like, dude, what is going on here? And I told them, I was like, listen, like, you know, I'm going to slow things down during baseball. I'm going to take back the volume. We're not going to be betting a ton here. And I promise you during football season, college basketball season, the books are going to clean up because it's shit. You're, you're right. It's a regression. You know, uh, it's, it's not always going to be up here. It's not always going to be down here. Sometimes it's just it just usually coasts right here. Right. Um, I actually think the public have been doing pretty bad all season in, in football. Um, I, I'm someone who I bet with the books. You know, I look where the, the tickets are, where the money is, and kind of just fade that based on, you know, other things that I factor in. And uh, I've been doing very well this football season. Probably the best football season I've ever had. Yeah, it's been pretty good for me too, man. And us two working together or just even having the conversations together since we we connected, it's been really fun. And this run that I've been on in the contest – uh, three and a half points out of five potentially because I did have that I had that push with the Packers uh, the Bills game I swapped out for the Giants and then I uh, I had switched out the Vikings and I'm like man I gotta go with my gut dude I gotta say with my gut Th those initial thoughts have been really really well they've been going really really well for me and one thing I wanted to pick your brain about is how do you feel about people that text you and I think we had this conversation last week, but whenever you give out a play, I've seen you deal with some trolls on social media. When you give out a play and they're like, oh, dude, or they might have told you that they were on the other side. Like nothing is more frustrating to me, dude. And I, and I get that everyone has different bet sizes. Like you've told me how much you bet on games and it like blew my mind. And, and, then, <laughs> and then, but like, this is what you do professionally, right? Like this is, this is yeah. your gig. And then I have other people, like I have some friends that bet like $10, $20, $30 bets. And they know that I'm in this contest with a chance at a legitimate chance of $200,000. And they know we were indifferent on one pick. They were like, oh, who do you like? And I'm like, oh, I got, I got Cincinnati in the contest, right? And they took Tennessee. They're like, yo, I'm on Tennessee. I was like, all right, man, cool. Like, I'm not someone where if you have a disagreement with me or you think it's going to go the other way, by all means, it's cool. And I'm not going to hit you up after and be like, dude, I told you told you you idiot you should listen like I'm not, I'm not one of those guys because i know you have money on this thing right i know that you're gonna 
you're not only giving out these picks, you're also backing them. When people hit me up, Kenny, and they try to uh, justify their take against mine, and I've just, like, lost. It, it makes me want to put someone in, like, a guillotine and not let go. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably why I don't have many friends, you know? <laughs> no. Um, no, but, yes, yeah, so honestly, I uh, I don't really talk betting with many people, um, especially friends. Like, you know, my friends, they – I have friends who go buy picks from other people because I don't even want to deal with them in, in that, in that space. You know, like, uh, like what do they say? Don't shit where you eat. Right. Yeah. Um, I have like one of my friends who kind of got into it when got into the betting space when I did, like, he's actually someone that kind of brought me into it. He's really the only person I really talk to about sports betting, obviously, like other than you and the different shows I do. Um, and, and I, and I value his, his opinion and advice, but yeah, I, I'm someone like, uh, I remember earlier this year, my girlfriend's friend invited us over her house to watch a Monday night football game. I told her, I was like, listen, I already know everyone at that house. If they're betting, they're going to be betting opposite of what I'm betting. I don't want to be there listening to someone scream in my ear when something I don't want to happen happens. I was like, I'm not going, I got too much money on this game. I'm staying my ass inside watching it at home and I'm going to enjoy my money when I win. Um, so yeah, I'm with you, man. I I don't want to hear that shit, right? Like keep your negativity away from me, bro. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Dude, I was watching the Super Bowl with all my friends, with the exception of, like, one person from, like, my friend group. And I got a bit big friend group back home, grew up with, like, the oh, you same. Just, you rubbing it in? Well, nah, nah, but you'll, you'll understand. <laughs> it, it, it resonates with me what you said about Monday Night Football because they all bet the Bengals. They all were on the right. Bengals, Bengals MVPs, Bengals plus the four, whatever it was, money line on the Bengals. And they all knew that I had a future ticket on the Rams. So they're asking me, they're like, yo, who are you betting on in this game? I was like, I'm not betting anything because if this hits, this is a close to five-figure payday for me. I was like, I'm not betting on anything. The only thing I'm going to bet is Cooper Cup for MVP. I had shot a video at the time for uh, one of the sports books that I was working with, and it was like, yo, Cooper Cup is 6-1 to one to win MVP in the Super Bowl. I feel like if I had a vote last year, I would have voted for him regular season MVP. That's how dominant he was. And I felt like he should have been closer to the quarterbacks. Anyway, I'm at the house and all my friends are on the Bengals. Every single one of them is on the Bengals. And they're celebrating when things are going sweet for them and whatnot. And I took a couple T. Higgins props that I hit on. I went crazy on the Super Bowl. Everything went my way. But then it's that last drive and they're all rooting for touchdowns for the Bengals. And I'm over there just, I'm just like that hands crossed, not saying anything. Doing like the prayer stuff. I'm praying to all the types of gods that are out there. And I'm just looking at them. When the Bengals end up losing, they're all miserable. I'm hyped as hell. And it's like, this is what you guys deserve. That's what you deserve. Because you knew <laughs> that I had all this money on the Rams from the beginning of the year. You knew who my Super Bowl pick was going to be. And you're just going to root against me. I was like, now enjoy your donations to the sports books. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's like a double-edged sword, right? Like, obviously you don't like, I don't want to be around those type of people cause I don't want to hear it. But at the same time, if I'm in a room and every other person in that room is on one side and I'm on the other side, I know I'm doing my job right. Uh, and I, and I would feel pretty good that I'm going to win at the end of the game. So, um, like, you know, we've talked about it a lot when, when everyone's piling on one side, it's never the side they always go opposite. And that was last year with the Bengals, right. In the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
And it made sense for you not to bet them either. If you had a Rams future ticket, like the three and a half line was dog shit. The money line, what were they? Minus 190, 200. You were never taking that, right? Uh, but yeah, everyone was on the Bengals last year. Like everyone was on the fucking Bengals. And it made sense. They were, no one thought they would be there. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, great story. And we all saw what happens. The Super, the books cleaned up in the Super Bowl again. I want to stay with Joe Burrow because this is one of the talking points I wanted to have. I don't, I'm sure it's happened before, but I feel like yesterday that that draft class of 2020, Herbert, Burrow, and Tua, they all had big games on the same day, and they all had moments. Like the Chargers, they went for it for two, and they got it. Uh, you knew people were just ready on Twitter just to type away, like, oh, Staley, you're such an idiot, dude. How do you do that? Not taking the field goal or whatever. Uh, Burrow. Uh, tough game against the Titans. They get away with the win, and they didn't have Jamar Chase. He got ruled out. Uh, he was supposed to come back. Well, they were going to try to get him to come back, and then he sat out. He should be cleared, I believe, for week 13. I think you had Tua. Uh, Tua's been on this insane run since he got back from the concussion. And it's like, dude, I kind of have a take for you, bro. And I don't know if you're ready for this, because I feel like it might be steamy. And I'm not really a hot take kind of guy, but... I feel like this 2020 class is going to go down as as close as possible to that 2004 draft class of Eli, Roethlisberger, and Rivers. That's what I think Herbert, Burrow, and Tua is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the take. It makes sense. You know, you can draw a couple comparisons, the three quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, obviously all very talented. But, I mean, we're super early. Like. As good as Herbert looks, he doesn't. He hasn't won anything yet. Uh, same thing with Burrow. You know, he, he got there, fell short. Like what made that draft class so amazing was like Roethlisberger was a winner, Eli was a winner, Philip Philip River is not so much a winner, but you know those guys are dogs. And yeah, I mean, definitely by the time it's all said and done, like if those guys their career continues to progress at the rate that it's that it's at, like I wouldn't you're not crazy for saying you think Justin Herbert's going to be better than any of those guys. Right. I think it's a fair assumption to say Herbert will be better than rivers, Eli and Roethlisberger. Uh, you, you can make that same assumption for, for Burrow. You could, you could say the same thing Tua on the fence. You know, I, I want to see more from Tua other than this, you know, stretch of, of what he's done this year to put him in that upper echelon of quarterback. Well, yeah, that, that's fair to say and to hold it against them. I feel as if all three of those guys are being held back by something. Herbert's being held back by the coaching staff. There's a lot of weird shit that goes down in Chargers games. And also the injuries to the rest of his guys, which in the end, he doesn't really have any control of. But a lot of the play calls are just highly questionable. Burrow, he's being held back also, I feel like, by his head coach but he's surrounded by a lot of elite weapons around them. Like T Higgins yesterday just was dominating those dudes on the outside. And then with Tua, he finally got a head coach and they surrounded him with some weapons. So it's like all of them have their flaws. And I think the flaw with Tua would be what you said, dude, it's, it's been what 10 games he's played. Let's, let's slow it down because coming into this year, it's like, yo, are we going to get Tom Brady? Are we going to trade for Deshaun Watson with all the chaos that's surrounding him? Like, we're willing to deal with that chaos of Watson and the off-the-field drama that he has just because it's an upgrade from Tua. So all three of these dudes are flawed in a sense, 
And I'm a huge Justin Herbert guy, man. I think he's amazing. I've been, I've been him on MVP the last two seasons. They were my Super Bowl pick coming in. But you're right, dude. He's getting praised, and he hasn't done anything in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, but he, he's uh, he, he's a show pony, right? Like he looks good out there. He's got all the intangibles. He makes the crazy throws. The he's got the the cannon arm. He can make every throw on the field on on, on the route tree. Um, so yeah, I mean, it makes sense why he gets the praise, but yeah, he hasn't done anything. And this is a league where it's, uh, you know, what have you done? Can you win? Right. That's why Tom Brady is the goat over guys like Aaron Rodgers and, and some guys who, you know, may have more talent than Brady does, but Brady wins at the end of the day. I could see Herbert being like the next Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he wins one, one in his career at some point. He'll probably pick up a Super Bowl. He's got too much talent not to, not to get close at least. Um, but yeah, I could see Herbert kind of being taking the path of like an Aaron Rodgers where he, uh, you know, wins one, gets there into the playoffs. They crumble just like the Chargers always do. Yeah. Yeah. I've been fantasy booking in my head, Sean Payton being the head coach there because he's out with Fox. He's in LA a lot. And I think that's, that's the kind of guy that, uh, would definitely work wonders for, for Justin Herbert. Hey, before they're saying, uh, there or the Cardinals. The Cardinals for Peyton would be nice, too, with Kyler Murray and D-Hop. Yeah, that would be. That would be. But selfishly, because I'm a Herbert guy, I would like to see him be successful. And I feel like that'd be dope. And also, like, Sean Payton, his personality kind of fits that bill. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to see any of those guys with a better coach because uh, Staley, constant head-scratcher. And Kingsbury, don't, we've talked about it at nauseum. Like, I can't even bet the Cardinals anymore because – He's just a liability out there with, with the plays he's calling, the, the the times he's going for it versus the times he's not going for it. He's like a total liability out there as a head coach. So I can't even bet them anymore. I literally can't bet the fucking Cardinals. Dude, yeah, they're on my they're on the ban list. Even though they covered yesterday, it, 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 it got close and it wasn't them. supposed to. I, I loved the Cardinals yesterday. I almost bet it, almost sent it out. And I was like, you know what? I can't fucking do it, man. Like, I, I'm tired of watching... Cliff Kingsbury light my money on fire. Like I, I work too hard to make this money. And he, you watch the games, bro. We talk about it after they play, dude, they're bad. Like the offensive line, terribly coached, constantly false starts. They can't stop. They no adjustments on defense to, to, to schematically stop what the other team is doing. So yeah, the Cardinals suck. man. Dude, speaking of sucking and being bad, did you happen to see what Washington did with this memorial for Sean Taylor? Bro. <laughs> so, like, the Mount Rushmore of suck when it comes to franchises is Washington. And yep. for those that missed what happened, they revealed this uh, statue, as I do air quotes, for Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor was an iconic safety in the early 2000s, was, uh, was a famous Miami Hurricane comes to the NFL and just starts hit-sticking people. Like, who knows how many concussions <laughs> this dude caused for, for everyone. He was a staple of the then-Washington Redskins in the secondary. He uh, had the famous clip where he smashes the Pro Bowl punter for the Bills, and the Pro Bowl just lights him up, and everyone's like, holy shit, this is a Pro Bowl, dude. <laughs> like, if you ever bitch and moan about the Pro Bowl, go and watch that clip. And it's like, wow, this is why people probably don't want to play that hard. Unfortunately, the dude ends up getting murdered and killed while he's still playing. And it's yesterday or, yeah, in week 12 was the 
15 year anniversary of it. One of my best friends, Josh, he's been on the show many times. He's a huge Washington fan. That's his favorite player. He wears 21. Uh, he wears oh, 30 is his favorite number, but uh, that's his favorite safety, I should say. And he was hyped for it. They brought the family out. And what was the, the statue, Kenny, that they put out for Sean Taylor? They basically went to H&M or to the Nike outlet, got a mannequin, put a jersey over it, a helmet, and gloves, and was like, ta-da. It's like, dude, you have so much shit around you as an organization. No one likes Dan Schneider and the ownership. Every other week, there is a firestorm around that organization, whether it's the players, whether it's uh, ownership, the president, the coaches. There's, there's just a scandals out the ass. And it's like, dude, you have a moment to get a little bit of the hostility towards your organization with honoring an iconic player of his generation. And that's what you decide to do? Come on, man. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen a few videos of like the, the backlash that they're getting. And I feel like it's not enough. Like, it's not enough, man. Sean Taylor, last of a dying breed, right? They don't make safeties like him anymore. Like uh, him, was it Rodney Harrison? Those guys just used to lay the fucking wood, dude. Um, yeah, I, I, I would have just liked to be a fly in the wall in that, like, meeting room. And did no one step up and say, dude, we can't, we can't use this as the fucking Sean Taylor statue, right? Like, how did no one in, in the whole planning process – like I would be so embarrassed to put, to put that out there. If I was the Washington Washington Redskins or Commanders, I would have been so embarrassed. I would have never even had. I just would have never done it, man. It was it was like a little. Uh, it was, yeah, it was like you said. It was one of those wire mannequins you see in the stores. It wasn't even like a. It was a jersey he's never wore in, in Reebok cleats that he didn't wear. It, it, everything was bad all about it. Um, another fail by the by the Commanders, and who knows? Maybe it's just so the new the new owner can take it down, build a sick statue, and, and be praised for it. Who knows? I mean, bro, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people about how the level of incompetence in, like, high situations is mind-blowing. Like, what you said is so true, dude. Like, how can you be in a meeting and they present this and everyone be like, oh, you know, this is a, this is a great idea. Like, no one had anything to say. No one <laughs> thought, yo, this is a terrible idea. Dude, I'm so happy that I have the people in my life that I talk to on a regular basis and some of my childhood friends, which I won't mention any names because I don't want them to have this power over me, but they are people who they, if I, bro, if I was ever out and I dropped the phrase or said to someone like, yo, do you know who I am? My friends would rip me apart if I ever tried to like flex my muscles like that. Like, yo, you know who I am? Or if, like, I presented an idea that was shitty like this, they'd be like, yo, are you an idiot? This is awful. Get that shit out of my face. Let's come up with a new idea. It's like, these are the kind of people that you need running your organization, man, because then you get backlash like this where you're just being trolled. Like, you're a laughingstock, and you've been a laughingstock since you bought the organization. Well, they have three playoff appearances and since he took over. And it's like, yo, this is just bad, bad. More black eyes on the Washington Commanders in their franchise, Kenny. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy because I feel like you could have <clears throat> given that like task to a high school student and it and it would you could probably give that task to like a fifth grader, honestly. And I guarantee you the statue would have came out better because that's how bad it was. 
Um, yeah, I, I saw the clip on YouTube and I was just like, or on Instagram, and I was just like, holy shit, man, what the fuck were these guys doing? But yeah, it, again, I just, maybe it's just the culture in that organization. You know, we talk, we hear about how Dan Snyder's a, a lunatic over there and, you know, tries to control everything. Maybe, maybe they were afraid to speak out and say, yo, let, let's pump the brakes here. This statue looks like shit. We can't put that out. Um, but someone should have definitely did that. Let's close up the show with some Monday winners. Give me some. You want me to go first? Uh, you know what? I'll lead off just because you've always, you've been leading off. Let me, let, let me give you one that jumps out to me. And again, remember, we, we like the opening lines to a lot of games, usually because that's before anything gets influenced. You don't have the talk shows hyping them up. This is like the most authentic real line that you get before money comes in and tickets come in. I've been locking in my picks from Tuesday morning, Kenny, because Tuesday morning is when I could lock in my picks for my contest. And for the okay. most part, I, don't, I haven't changed them much. Sometimes I'll get a better number. Like I'll lock in, like I locked in the Jets minus four last Tuesday. It closed at minus eight. I didn't switch out of it. But I had locked in the Bengals minus two and a half, and then I got it at minus one. But for the most part, I stay there. The line that jumped out to me for week 13 is Minnesota minus three. I already know from conversations with my buddies that are Jets fans, they, we were talking about statues. They're like, yo, Mike White is the truth. That's it. His team, Zach Wilson, get him out of here. And I think it's a wrap for Zach Wilson. We were talking about that a couple of episodes ago. Mike White balled out. Elijah Moore got going. Uh, Garrett Wilson now is like, oh, is he the offensive rookie of the year? You're getting a lot of those conversations. And this just seems like a wrong line. The Vikings have extra time pr to prepare. They're playing at home again, which I like them at home. They're playing at 1 o'clock Eastern time. We know the Kirk Cousins 1 o'clock Eastern time covering close to 70% of his games. And I could just see this being a... You're still going to need a quarterback. Let's slow down with Mike White. That one was the first one that jumped out to me, dude. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I love the Vikings in that spot. Um, that's one I would definitely take, take early because it's not going to go down. Like, if anything, that yeah. will go to like three and a half, potentially yep. four. Um, but that's definitely not going below a field goal. Books know Sharps would slam the Vikings in that spot. Um, I like the Vikings. I'm with you there. I love the Titans. I think the Titans beat the Eagles outright uh, this week. You know, the Eagles, for, for as good as they've looked, you know, that defense is pretty bad. They can't stop the run. Like, we saw the Packers. They were running all over them last night. Derrick Henry should go fucking crazy that game against the Eagles. Uh, Titans coming off a, a, a close loss to the Bengals at home. I think a perfect spot. And we all know Vrabel as a dog of three or more is absolute money in his career. So, yeah, I like the Titans. And uh, another one, I like the Colts against the Cowboys. I love the Patriots, man. I'm a Pats fan. I've been I, I faded them on Thanksgiving. I took the Vikings uh, second half money line, and I think that I think the Pats win that game on Thursday against the Bills. I think the Bills are finally hitting that wall. I've been saying it all season. It's going to come where the Bills, the injuries start piling up, things to start going wrong for them, and it's not going to be a perfect perfect run through the season because it never is for anyone. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the Pats. They're right now they're catching five and a half. I see it dropping on some places down to five. So that's another one. I would lock in before that drops. Yeah. Yeah, that one is. What do you think of that one? I, li I like the Titans pick a lot. 
I like the Titans pick, especially yeah. coming off a loss. I think Vrabel is the kind of coach that'll get them, get them going. Uh, the underdog role, they love that. I think they have something in Burks, which is why they were so open to getting rid of A.J. Brown when they did. And uh, you also have that little narrative now, the A.J. Brown revenge game, which I think also worked out for both teams. I mean, it's not exactly Stephon Diggs and, and Justin Jefferson, unless I get it twisted, but I think Burks, he came out the gates very sluggish and slow, but I think he's being implemented into their offense more and more. I do like the Colts call a lot, especially if they get throttled on Monday night, dude, because we're recording this prior to the Steeler game. I think that's a spot where I might be taking them against the Cowboys where the Cowboys as a big favorite, they scare me. I mean, they didn't cover on Thanksgiving, and now they'll be playing the Colts, who their season isn't over yet. It's, it's hanging on by a thread, but I think that's going to be a lot of points for a team that I like backing catching a lot of points like that. Yeah, that's a perfect spot for the Colts, right? Like nine and a half, maybe. I mean, I, I don't normally buy points, but if you, if you want, buy it up to 10. 10 is a much safer number there. But yeah, I like the Colts. You know, the Colts coming in this year, they had a lot of expectations. They, they've obviously underperformed, but they got the pieces. There was a study that they put out of since, I think, 2012. When you buy half a point on key numbers between buying it from plus three to three and a half or from minus three and a half to minus three, I think what it showed was that only lands like 10% of the time. Mm -hmm. So just because you buy a point, it's like, you know, you're giving away those 20, 30 cents for the most part in some situations. It's like not really, it's not really worth it in the grand scheme of things was what this, this study that they put out. I believe it was uh, one of the books over in Jersey that put this out. They were gathering all this information and it stood out to me because I have friends that do like the alternate spreads and they'll buy the half point. It's like, dude, it's sports betting, bro. You're going to get caught by the hook at some point. And if you don't, congratulations. You are an absolute outlier. But you're going to get caught by the hook. So to me, if, if I like a game at seven and I don't bet it and it goes up to seven and a half, I might pass on it entirely, Kenny. I'm not going to buy the half point. That's just not, that's not what I do personally. No, yeah, me neither. Uh, very, very rarely do I ever buy half a point. I have to feel like pretty strongly, like you know, like last night. If I really liked the Packers, I would have bought it up to seven because I feel like if they do lose, it'll probably be by a touchdown, you know. Um, but that's why you bet early and you get the lines before they drop. And that's honestly, that's the a lot of people don't, you know, the new betters and people who are new to this, they don't realize that that's like that's where you, that's where the money is won and lost, right? Like get what line you're getting, when you're getting it, you got to get your money in good. And the, if you can consistently do that, if you can consistently beat the line before it drops, you know, you're, you're not going to win every game. No one's a hundred percent, but you're going to be a lot happier at the end of the season. Uh, if, if you can do that consistently and it's easier said than done. It's very hard beating the, beating the lines. A line this week, as we wrap up, Kenny, that uh, there's no chance in hell I'm betting. I think this one is the most suspect line I've seen in the last six weeks. Baltimore as an eight-point favorite against Denver is strange, bro. They should be like a 12-point favorite against Denver. And the fact that they hung it at minus eight, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not touching that game. I'm afraid of that game. It's a weird situation because Denver has looked so bad. 
and the Ravens are coming off that loss to the Jaguars. It's my pursue with caution play of the week. Yeah, I mean, nothing about that game entices me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, just like what I told you about when you asked me about the Bills game, too many points uh, to be taking bets like that in the NFL. Eight, anything over a touchdown. One, I don't bet a ton of favorites uh, as it is. You know, if they're short favorites, I'll take them. But uh, when you start getting over a touchdown, eight points, nine points, 12 points, 14 points, whatever it is, anything over a touchdown, uh, you, you'll, you'll usually do better if you're taking the dog there. But I'm not betting against the Ravens because I need Lamar to go off. <laughs> Still holding on hope to those future tickets for MVP, right? Yeah, my, uh, my boy's texting me right now all these Cristiano Ronaldo memes that the internet's roasting him. <laughs> hey, Portugal, two for two, man. Looking good. Looking hey, good. But- but what, what, uh, that was another one I gave out here on, on the on VM. You know, Portugal to win it all, baby. We're two and zero. We're looking good. We're cruising, marching. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it, man. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Had some soccer conversations to open up the show. Hey, this was fun, man. I appreciate doing these with you and you coming on the show. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, and uh, yeah, and we'll sign off. Yeah, you can find me Kenny Bets Big on uh, Instagram, Twitter at Kenny Bets Big. My website Kenny Bets Kenny Bets uh, That's where I sell my picks, uh, offer advice. You know, take people under my wing, teach them how to be better betters. And uh, obviously, you can find me here every Monday on Veterans Minimum. VeteransMinimum.com is where you can find all things VM at Nick Dayas Ten is where you can find me. And we hope to continue this Monday winners theme. And we'll catch you guys later this week. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.